Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to episode one of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Helgerson. This is my brand new podcast. This is going to be a sports podcast. I'm here to talk about sports, maybe every now and again talk about a current event uh, that I want to speak my mind about, but this is a sports podcast. I'm here to talk about sports, and uh, yeah, I'm going to run through the five biggest stories that uh, I think are going on in sports right now. I'm going to run them down, you know, just talk about them for however long it takes. And then at the end, you know, I'm going to do a couple different things from every now and again. And, you know, just stay tuned and listen and you'll be surprised. But first, let's get to the five biggest things that's going on. The first thing I want to start with is the NBA trade deadline. I know it happened a couple days ago, but I just want to run down some of the bigger trades that I think uh, happened and uh, give my analysis on w- what they could mean for the future for these teams. So uh, I think the biggest trade, obviously, if you're going to talk about the most influential, most impactful, most important trade, it's got to be Andre Iguodala getting traded to the Miami Heat from the Memphis Grizzlies. Just because it puts them in playoff, you, you know, the Heat are fighting for playoff contention. And so are the Grizzlies, too. So this is kind of a big trade. Grizzlies get, you know, nice additions compared to a guy who wasn't playing. And obviously, Miami gets a finals MVP in Andre Iguodala. I know he hasn't played in a whole, you know, most, until last year's finals, except for the last few games. But I think it's a huge pickup for both teams. And, uh, you know, the trade was Deion Waiters, Justice Winslow, James Johnson to the Grizzlies for Andre Iguodala, Solomon Hill, and Jay Crowder. Now, I'm going to say this is like they moved a lot of pieces in this. And I like Jay Crowder for the Heat, too. He's a guy who plays defense, can knock down the three ball. Andre Iguodala, same thing. Can play defense, knock down the three ball, can defend. Both guys can defend. So it's, it's definitely a big pickup. And then Justice Winslow, obviously young. I think James Johnson... Uh, fits in well with what the Grizzlies are doing, the new era of grit and grind. Grizzlies got a real nice core. So I think both of these moves paid off. Obviously, Waiters was waived, could potentially sign with the Lakers. I'm hearing they could, you know, they're in talks. But um, that's regardless. Still, that's the biggest trade. Iguodala's, you know, the Heat are going for it. And they're putting all the chips in for what they can do this year to make something happen. And I think getting Iguodala will definitely put them in the right direction. Definitely a solid pickup for sure. I like where he is. I think eventually he could find his way into the starting lineup, depending on uh, what they need for defensive purposes. But I know know, he's been accepting to this bench role before, obviously, but that was with Golden State. So not really fair to compare the Miami Heat with the Golden State Warriors of old. Well, not even of old, just of a few years ago. So, But still, that's definitely the biggest one. The second biggest trade, if we're going to go by most impactful to the playoffs, it's got to be that Marcus Morris trade. Los Angeles Clippers, New York Knicks. Marcus Morris going to the Clippers. Another guy just to defend LeBron with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Now Marcus Morris, he showed he hasn't backed down from guys. You know, the Knicks traded him away. Deserves it. Get away from Imagine being traded from the Knicks to a perennial championship team. Like, the Clippers are going to be right there at the end of it. Like, Morris has to be on cloud nine right now. I couldn't imagine how he's feeling. The guy's got to be ecstatic. Yeah, and he's going from New York to L.A. You can't be too disappointed with the locations either, but gosh, just to get away from that dumpster fire that is the Knicks, Morris has got to be loving that, and he's going to 
gets to play with the contender. So played his first game last night against the uh, 76ers, and I know the Clippers lost, but, you know, you got to like where that's at. That's a good move. They traded Isaiah Thomas. Obviously, he got waived. be interesting to see if someone picks him up. If we're going to get realistic, I think that the Magic should look into signing uh, Isaiah Thomas that need a backup, and DJ Augustine isn't that guy. But I, I think Isaiah Thomas could be. But uh, that's regardless, that trade, you know, obviously Morris is going to be the big, impactful guy for the Clippers. It's a really nice pickup for them. Just makes them deeper. And they still didn't have to give up their bench guys to get them. They gave up, you know, they gave up nothing. Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless for Morris? Like, I don't... I just don't know what the Knicks were thinking on this one. They just wanted to get rid of him, I guess. And I'm sure he was like, get me out of here. Give me it to, to a contender. So it's got to be loving that. The next biggest trade. Nothing really after that. This trade season was too impactful to playoff teams. There's another one, but we'll get to that later. The next one I want to talk about, obviously, you could say this was the biggest trade. It was Golden State trading D'Angelo Russell to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Andrew Wiggins. And the Warriors also get a 2021 top third round first pick and a 2001 second round pick. Like, that's a, that's a haul. And, you know, I guess the Timberwolves got their guy. Towns gets to play with one of his best friends in D'Angelo Russell. It just wasn't a good fit. You know, it wasn't going to work when staying uh, Steph and Clay come back for the Warriors with Russell it just it wasn't going to happen and they they saw it even with you know just the role players with the offensive system that Kerr was running just it wasn't working but Wiggins will fit in way better they've just shown that they can plug in wings and have them be great I know plugging in Kevin Durant's a little different than Wiggins for sure don't get me wrong those players are not in the same stratosphere Durant's a future Hall of Famer Wiggins has yet to prove himself but he's young and I think he'll fit well with Golden State once Steph and Clay come back, he's that wing presence. He can average 20 a night. Uh, and he's the third option. They got they still got Draymond. Like, will the Warriors contend for championship? I know a lot of people saying they're not going to be able to once Steph and Clay come back, but gosh, we do we I I think how easily we forget that Steph was the first unanimous MVP. Like it's, just, it, it's very odd how just quickly we write these teams off. Like they, they're gonna just go for irrelevant. It's everyone's writing them off. A lot of guys are saying they'll Steph will never get back to the finals. I know it's gonna be tough sledding now how, how the league has changed, but still unanimous MVP, the two greatest shooters in NBA history in the backcourt, adding a twenty point score, and they can make some other moves too. But. I like the move. Very solid. Timberwolves, they've been terrible this year. I think at this point they're just trying to get some foundation. I think it was time for Wiggins to go. Just wasn't working between him and Towns. And, uh, you know, Towns gets to play with one of his best friends, so I can only imagine that's going to be better. But at this point the Timberwolves haven't shown any uh, reason to believe that they can be any good. Uh, You know, they just haven't been getting it done. But, you know, it it was definitely – you know, an interesting trade, to say the least, for the Timberwolves. And I, I like it more for the Warriors, that's for sure. I like the trade more for the Warriors, but that's because, you know, I've never really seen D'Angelo Russell on a winning team other than making the playoffs last year, but they got bounced early. So, and, you know, the Nets are right where they were last year. 
and they lost him. And I know Kyrie's been there, but he's been hurt. So Net, uh, did the Nets miss D'Angelo Russell? Mm, doesn't look like it. Did the Warriors miss him? Clearly not. They just traded him. So, uh, you know, he's a he's fun to watch, good player. So is Towns, but I just I don't believe in the Timberwolves as of right now. Moving on, next biggest trade. Got to be that Clint Capella trade for Atlanta where Minnesota traded Robert Covington to the Rockets. Hawks get Capella. It's just, you know, a 12-player deal, four teams. Malik Beasley also went to the Timberwolves. Juan Hernan Gomez also went there, and they look great in their debut. You know, Beasley's, you know, he's an energy guy for sure. They were they put up a ton of points, and they did it against the Clippers too, no less. Did against the Clippers, surprisingly enough. So, you know, you could the Timberwolves turn it around? Maybe, but uh, the the big move here is obviously Covington going to the Rockets and Capella going away. Clearly, we all know about it now. The small ball is in effect. They played three games, they been or have they played four? I can't remember, but they, it's been it's been high octane offense. It's it's interesting to watch for sure. They played the Celtics yesterday. Harden was a beast. Obviously, Russ, you know, is as dominant as ever. Celtics couldn't handle it, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. I definitely think they can win a playoff series, but I don't think they can do any more than that. But it's it's an interesting experiment, to say the least, to have no one taller than six seven on the court at pretty much at all times. Like PJ Tucker's the center, Robert Covington's probably gonna get some center minutes. Like they're just true small ball three points and layups and dunks and free throws. Like no mid range shots. No mid range shots allowed. They literally just spread the floor. And I understand why. Westbrook isn't a great three point shooter, so you might as well open the hole for him. It's a, at this point, are the Rockets better without Capella? Probably, because he couldn't shoot. But I don't know how they're going to be able to defend any of these post teams. I know they beat the Lakers and lost to the Jazz on a buzzer beater. That was unbelievable. But I don't. I know they beat the Celtics, too. I just, for some reason, I just, I feel like you need some size, especially when it slows down. I know they'll want to run, but teams will slow it down in the playoffs. And if, you know, I know threes more than two, but you got to knock down those threes. And, uh, you know, Rockets are really... The motto is live by the three, die by the three, and they're taking that to the next level with what they're doing. And what Westbrook still is allowed to shoot threes. He's just not that great at it. He's great at getting to the basket. Goes right through some of the best shot blockers in the game. He was taking it to Rudy Gobert's chest the other night. It was in, He's a beast. Westbrook's a beast, but I, just, I don't see them getting any farther than the second round. Just they're too small. Too small, but... Live by the three, die by the three. They might be able to win two if they just get hot. But I, I don't think they're true title contenders, if we're going to be honest. But it's it's still an impactful move for sure. And then the uh, the, the fifth biggest trade that I'm going to talk about. Actually, I will, I'll throw in one more, too, after this one. But uh, Pistons trading Drummond to the Cavs. It's honestly the most disrespectful trade I've ever seen in the modern NBA for a player as talented as Andre Drummond. I don't know what Drummond did. He must have pissed off the whole organization because they traded him for John Henson and Brandon Knight, two guys who haven't had sustainable minutes on any team that they've been on. They've been they've been below average role players, and Drummond is a perennial all-star center, and the Pistons gave him away for nothing, absolutely nothing, to the Cavaliers. It's like both these teams are not doing great. The Cavs still held on to Tristan Thompson. It's just, it's like, what what was the point of this trade? 
Like the Pistons just felt they had to get rid of Drummond that quick. I'm 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 confused. Like Drummond's a two-time All Star. I guess they think he's gonna opt out at the end of next season. Like he's still got a year. I understand why a team would trade for him. You have the option, but it's like it's an awful trade. It was ter- terrible on both parts. I I d- I don't understand. I understand why they didn't get a haul for him. Like, you know, Drummond is a two-time All-Star, but centers are kind of a dying breed, but you still need a guy who can shot block, rebounds, roll to the basket, and get easy dunks, easy putbacks. That's what you need a guy like that for, and he fills that role nicely, and he's definitely better than a John Henson, Brandon Knight second-round pick trade. It's just it's awful. I don't, I don't know what the Pistons were thinking here. Clearly, they are tanking. Clearly, they're just losing this season. They're going to try and get some draft pick. Clearly, they want to be worse. They don't even want to sniff the playoffs. They don't even want to know what the playoffs are at this point. So, um, just a very bizarre trade. Final trade I want to talk about. I think that will have the most impact at this point. Um, will we'll have to be the Warriors sending Glenn Robinson the third and Alec Burks to the 76ers for picks. That's why I think it's so big. Six, 76ers can't shoot, not with Simmons on the floor. They and Embiid, and, and when they tried to play Horford, I know they moved Horford to the bench, but that team just they can't shoot. Richardson's not that great at three-point shooter. Tobias Harris, just not that great at three-point shooting. And they're two shooters. Glenn Robinson, the third, and Alex Brooks are are two shooters. They can they can score in bunches. They they can definitely shoot it from behind the arc. So really nice pickup for the 76ers and you know I just I haven't been believing in this 76ers team they're really good at home but I feel like their record is going to hurt them and they're going to have to play a series where they don't have home court advantage and they're going to lose because they can't win Rome games this team cannot play on the road they're one of the best home they're the best home team in the league they've lost two home games two two home games it's absolutely unbelievable and then they go on the road and they can't win they can't even be bad teams on the road. It's truly a bizarre thing. So I think it's a good trade to get some shooters. That's what they need. But, gosh, they need to start winning some road games for me to believe in them. Because at this point, I think they could – I don't know if they're beating any of the top four teams, to be honest. They're not beating the Bucks. I know they won't get to the eighth seed. But I don't think they could beat the Celtics. I don't think they could beat the Raptors. And I don't think they could beat the Heat, especially when they got to go on the road. If they got to go on the road, they're done for. Absolutely done. Unless the pickup of Robinson and Burst can really turn it around that much. I know it's nice bench scoring, but we'll have to see. It's it's going to be an uphill battle for the 76ers, that's for sure, because they just they haven't been getting it done. I know they had a big win the other night. I think that was just yesterday, too, against the Clippers. Joel Embiid, you know, had that ridiculous Instagram post and Jimmy Butler commented and just people all all the people speculating that now they got to trade and beat and beats not happy Philly fans boot him and he ate it up at least he embraced it got him fired up you know they got the win but they were at home you got to win some road games because that's what you got to do in the playoffs and I don't know if they can win road games and that's so makes all the difference in the world makes all the difference in the world come May and June so Let's see if the 76ers can figure it out, but two solid pickup. Two solid pickups at a necessary time to do it if you want to make an all-out push to get to the NBA Finals and to win the whole thing. 
So it's a little NBA trade rundown. That's, I think that's the biggest topic of the day. Second topic I want to talk about is this Astros cheating scandal. It just just keeps getting better and better. It just it just never ends. First of all, pitchers and catchers reported today for a couple of teams, including said Houston Astros. And the Astros didn't talk to the media. The Astros blocked it off. They had security in the parking lot. No media. No players available to the media. Now I understand. Maybe you want to get all the guys in the room and talk about how you're going to answer it. I get it. But you should have had this beforehand. Like, this story has been out there for a while. These players should have been in contact with a long time ago. And you should already be thinking. But to give them no access, you know, I understand it. But it's just like, eventually they're going to have to answer. They really can't hide forever. At this point, tomorrow, they're going to have to answer some hard questions. And they can either walk away from the questions and just be like, this is the one time we'll talk about it, never talking about it again. Or they need to understand that this, this is serious. And they took cheating to a whole new level. An absolutely whole new level. Banging on the trash can for, to signal pitches for using, and using a camera in center field to relay said pitches, it's just it's unfathomable a team would take it to this level just to know what the pitches are coming. I think it's worse than steroids. To know what pitch is coming to pa- compared to a guy who's just insanely strong, what's more of an unfair advantage? You still have to hit the ball, but if you know what's coming, you're way more likely to hit the ball than just being super strong. The hand-eye coordination still has to be there, but if you know what pitch is coming, truly unfair. Truly unfair. And, you know, the, the MLB did, it, did what they thought was right, fired the man, suspended the manager and GM for a year. Hinch is gone. You know, they deservedly so. I don't know if they'll get other jobs. We'll see. Maybe. I can, you never, never can say never. Maybe the manager can get past this because he at least has come out and said he was against it, has tr- tried to stop it a little bit but didn't fully speak on it. But, you know, they, and then they were fined the max amount that they could be fined, taking away four draft picks over the next two years, first and second round picks. And, but they should have done more. More should have been done. They should have taken away the money to sign foreign free agents. They, they should have taken something like that away. Honestly, they should have taken away more draft picks. I don't think they should have taken away the World Series because they didn't take away the Black Sox World Series, and they literally threw the series. The Cincinnati Reds won in 1906 after the Black Sox did what they did. We still recognize the Cincinnati Reds as world champions because of what the even though the Black Sox did what they did. Literally threw the series. Literally threw it. Whereas this team knowingly cheated. We just know. We just know at this point the Astros have an asterisk by them. They cheated. They used sign stealing at all of their home games in a year where they won the championship. It's the most. It's one of the biggest scandals in sports history. I'd say it's overall sports and trying to get away with something. This I I think it's farther than what the Patriots did with Spygate. I think it goes beyond what the Black Sox did, kind of. Like, you could say those two are comparable, especially in this day and age. Tough to say. It might be the Black Sox at 1A, 1B, if you want to call it that. But this is truly, truly ridiculous, the level that they took it. And it just keeps getting better. You know, Beltron, it came out another story today. Beltron was the ringleader. You know, he told them that they were way behind 
on their sign-stealing techniques. And, you know, he just – this guy just came in and just wanted to know every pitch he went up there to bat. I got to say, I liked Carlos Beltran when I was a kid. I liked him growing up. But, gosh, to be doing all this – makes me question his integrity as a player of how long he was doing this, how long. And I understand sign stealing is a part of baseball. I did it when I was in high school. We had a little technique, but you could only do it if a runner was standing on second base. If you were on second base and you took your lead, what we would do in high school is if it was a fastball, you'd step forward when you're taking your lead with your right foot. If it was an off-speed pitch, you step forward with your left foot when you, know, you see the pitch. When you're taking a lead, that's and that was it. That was all we could do, because obviously it's high school. But that that's the amount of sign stealing we were known of. There are unwritten rules of sign stealing. If you can figure out a guy's movements when he's th- putting his putting a ball up to his glove, it's yeah. If you can figure out little things like that, that's part of the game. Those little nuances, that's part of the game. But to use a video camera, bang on a trash can to signal it, it's just it's a disgraceful. And this organization, this team should be absolutely ashamed. And I can't wait for this coming baseball season to see how this team is treated. Oh, the away fans are going to be ruthless. I just want to go to an Astros game at a a team I don't even care about. I live here in Florida. I'm trying to go to a Rays game, a Marlins game, whenever they play the Astros, just to see how these organizations treat this should be ashamed and embarrassed organization that is the Houston Astros they just oh it's going to be fantastic and I'm excited to hear their answers and I would love to hear the conversations that they have on the base pass with guys at first base when they're on the base pass and what players say to them I am very excited for it I would imagine this will be the most hit by pitch team in the league (laughs) I would think maybe not maybe teams move on maybe they're a little more mature but I gotta tell you there's a reason there's a guy suing him because he gave up a big inning to the Astros and never got signed to a major league team and now is filing a class action lawsuit. And it makes sense. He's killing it in Japan. I'd have to look at the numbers. I can't remember his name. But it's just like this goes beyond anything we've seen in most sports scandals. Like it's it's getting taken to another level. And now you're hearing that the uh, – Dodgers and Carrera were uh, told the Nats about the Astros sign stealing. And, you know, it said that the Nats had five pitching sequences for each pitcher on what their signs were, the five different sequences of signs. It's just, just hear so much more that the Athletics filed a complaint against the Astros until the one pitcher spoke out. It just, it just keeps getting better and better. And, yeah, it's an awful story, but I'm very fascinated by it. It's just how far a team would go. And they really went the distance. And I can't wait for them to answer for their crimes because it's it's a true embarrassment, true atrocity to the game that I love. Baseball is great, and I'm glad people are talking about baseball. Maybe this is a negative light, but at this point, bad publicity, any publicity is good publicity. And the more people talking about it, that means the more people who are going to be interested in seeing what this is all about seeing how the season goes, checking in maybe on their hometown team. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. This makes me excited for the Cubs season because I'm just ready for baseball. And with this, I can't wait to see how the Astros are treated. It's going to be a great year, and 
you know, is it bad that we're talking about baseball with scandals with already the steroids thing and how this science-stealing thing? Yeah, it's bad, but I think it's going to be good for baseball overall. You know, it's it makes things fascinating, that's for sure. Causes drama, makes people talk about it, headlines. It, it's getting the exposure that they want, and I think it's good exposure no matter what, but, God, the Astros still should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely disgraceful. I'm excited for their answers tomorrow. Hopefully they talk to the media, have a little respect for themselves, because at this point they're proving they're cowards. Just truly afraid to answer this. They just think they can ignore it and it'll go away. And this isn't going away anytime soon. I hope there are reporters out there who will take it to the level of asking them questions about this every game of the season. I really hope so. Every time they're available for media, they better each player better get one question for the entire season. That's what I hope for. But that's what dreams are made of. Uh, Third topic that I want to get to today. Is the NBA, uh, MLB, you know, pitchers and catchers are reporting. That means got some big things coming up. Baseball is back. Very excited about it. It also means some rule changes. And um, this is actually a rule that I'm very much in favor of. Pitchers will now have to face a minimum of three batters before their team can make a pitching change. And this is great. It'll speed up the game. Will it put teams under immense pressure? Absolutely. Because they could give up big innings and they still got to be out there. But that does not matter. Because I'm tired of having to go. One guy faces one batter. Another guy faces another batter. Another guy faces another batter. And using four pitchers in one inning. It takes so long. This will speed up the game. Even if there are offensive plates. This will speed up the game. Because the offensive play will happen. And then most teams usually get out of that jam after giving up a big hit. That's usually how it goes. This will speed up the game. I think this is good for baseball. I do not care about this purist thing of, oh, they should be able to make changes like that. Situational purposes. No, you got to be strategic with it then. Because you can't just have the lefty face the lefty. Yeah, you could start it like that, but you better get ready for that right-handed hitter. Or vice versa. Right-handed pitcher against the left-handed hitter. Those sequences are now going to come up. It makes it that much more entertaining. makes baseball that much more exciting. I think it's good. I think this is a good rule change. And, yeah, of course the goal is to speed this up. A couple other rule changes. Rosters are expanded from 25 to 26 players in the regular season with a maximum of 13 pitches. That is what it is. And then uh, no more 40-man roster in September. Rosters will be limited to 28 players with maximum of 14 pitchers. So that, you know, 12 guys off the roster. I know they usually just play their consistent core and then a few bench guys here and there but I kind of like moving the rosters down and then uh, this is another interesting rule that I kind of like the teams designate two-way players who won't count toward the pitching limitations on the roster you know Madden experimented this with the Cubs he would you know put a pitcher out in left field and then bring him in to face another batter you know it was an interesting little thing that he did and I understand now it can't be done with the rules but it, it was a fascinating way to do it, and I, I like this. And it, it, you know, it helps guys with positionally, you know, be a DH. And it, uh, my boy Otani, Otani's son, that's who this is really for. Because at this point, he is he a pitcher? I I, I want to see him pitch. I'm very excited, you know. So another good rule change there, and then another one that we got here. There are limitations on when a pitch 
uh, position player can pitch. Now they can only pitch if their team is behind by six or more runs or if the game is in extra innings. So the makes sense, you know. Position players should only be pitching when the team is getting demolished or the team's out of pitching. Like, I don't want to see a position player coming in throwing 78 miles an hour batting practice out there. And then... I really like this one. Managers will now have 20 seconds instead of 30 to challenge a call on the field. Like, it's got to be quick. Got to make these things quick. And I think ML, they do, MLB moves pretty quick with the challenges. I do like that. They, they do usually get the right call, and they make the, the calls pretty quick compared to what the NBA and the NFL does. It just seems to drag on. MLB at least gets it done pretty quickly, so... But, you know, I like those rule changes. Obviously, the biggest one, three at-bat minimum for pitchers. And, uh, you know, this is going to debut in spring training once games get underway. So very much looking forward to it. You know, I'm excited. March 12th, Thursday. Get ready. Spring training. It's here, baby. Let's go. Baseball time. Baseball. Now we're going to get in. To back to the NBA, uh, another topic I want to talk about with the NBA All Star Weekend's coming up. This is second to last night of games um, on the NBA schedule until we go into our All Star break, and yeah, not a lot of games left. There's only 30 games left, and this is make or break time for most teams. This is this is when you got to get the job done. It's now or never, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, All Star Weekend. You know, I got to say, at this point, the NBA has the most exciting All-Star weekend, All-Star game at that. I, I understand they don't play defense, and I understand they're coming close to scoring 200 points. They need to incentivize them a little more to play harder and at least try and play defense. I know offenses now in regular NBA games are putting up 140, 150 points some nights, but they can at least try a little on defense. But... The NBA's got the best because it's, you know, the best pickup game in the world. You know, the Pro Bowl sucks. It's just, it's boring. Really don't care because they're not trying at all. Obviously, I understand that as football. They don't want to get hurt. But, you know, I, I think football's got it the worst. And baseball used to be the best. I wish they would go back to the All-Star game uh, being worth hosting the World Series, whatever league won. I, I love that idea. Make the All-Star game work something. Make them play. I don't think that works for the NBA. I don't think that's fair. But for Major League Baseball, I love it. Because there are so many impactful players. So, you know, it's not as impactful as in the NBA. Whereas it's got to be more of a group effort where one or two guys in the NBA could take over and make something happen. But anyways, I digress. Little all-star game rundown. We'll start with um, the game itself and go by uh, Team LeBron. I'm going to name him off first. Obviously, he has his teammate Anthony Davis, another L.A. guy, with, but on the other roster, in the other locker room, Kawhi Leonard. Then he's got young phenom Luka Doncic, and then Mr. Beard himself, James Harden. And then he's got Damian Lillard, Ben Simmons, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and Dante Sabonis. Now, obviously LeBron has the better team. Because I'm going to name Giannis and Tedekumbo's team. The Greek freak, his team... It's just Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, 
Trey Young, Chris Middleton, Bam, Anabio, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Brandon Ingram, Donovan Mitchell. It just sounds to me like LeBron has the better team. Now, maybe it's because he has three of the four best players on his team. I'd say the four best players in the league right now, LeBron James, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis. Three of the four. And then you could even go fifth. You could make an argument for James Harden. He's on LeBron's team. You can make an argument for the next guy at six, Doncic. He's on LeBron's team. LeBron clearly has the more talented team here. But it's the all-star weekend. You know, obviously they're not going to try, but if they were to go hard head-to-head, I I would give the advantage to LeBron's team. But it's going to be a fun game. You know, like, I'm not going to – I don't want to discredit any of the guys on Giannis's team because they're ballers. I don't think Embiid tries hard enough, but you can make an argument besides Davis. He's the best post player in the league. I would actually say there is no other argument. Anthony Davis is the best, and then it's Joel Embiid. Those are the two best post players in the league. Right there. That's it. Siakam, you know, he's just, he's really talented. The Raptors can't sleep on them for much longer because that win streak is just absolutely absurd. What's it, 15 games now? It's won 15 games in a row. 15. Just absolutely incredible. And Siakam has been their best player so far. And I love Kemba Walker. You know, Trey Young was deserving. It's just you just go down the list, and it's just like the the LeBron team is more talented. I like Lillard, Jokic, Tatum, Westbrook. It's just the more exciting athletic team. But there are some athletes on the other on Antetokounmpo's team. So the game will be fun. Looking forward to it. And uh, you got to be excited for it. You really do. You got to be excited for it. But you also got to be excited for the the early bird stuff. I, I like this uh, the pre All Star game stuff that they do. It's the whole All Star weekend. That's a, I think it's a lot of fun, you know, with the three point contest. Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Zach Levine. Unfortunately, he's not in the dunk contest, but he is a shooter from three. Buddy Heald, Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris, Davis Bertans, and Devonte Graham. Now the favorite here. If I were to put a favorite on it, this seems like Trey Young's event. But I, I would like to see Lillard win. I think Heald could be real dangerous. I know Joe Harris won last year, but I don't think guys really repeat at this. But he definitely could. All these guys are just absolute money from three. I wonder who the Vegas odds favorite. I, I, I don't know. But if I were to pick a winner right now, I'm probably going to be... Uh, I get, You know, I, I would say... Of all of these guys, Lillard, Young, Levine, Heald, Robinson, Harris, Bertans, Graham. I'm going to go with Heald. I feel like Heald has something to prove and wants to do really well at this. Moving on to the dunk contest. Got Dwight Howard, throwback. Aaron Gordon, going to try and get that championship. Derrick Jones Jr. got super bunnies. And then Pat Connington. Yeah, former Notre Dame player. Always ride with him. And, uh, gosh, these guys... Gordon really has something to prove here because he lost to Levine in an absolute classic a few years ago. Definitely 
one of the greatest dunk contests ever. So I feel like Gordon really is going to want to win it this year. But Derek Jones Jr. has so much bounce. Connington, I, I think, will pull off some things that will surprise people. Because no, he's not a household name. Not even close. But he's got a mad bounce. But if I were, again, if I were to pick someone, I'm going to go Gordon with this one. I think he's got something to prove. I think he wants to get a, get a slam dunk championship. And then in the skills challenge, got Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, Sabonis, Patrick Beverly, Chris Middleton, Spencer Dinwiddie, and uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander. Now, um, Alexander is replacing Derrick Rose. And I, I don't really care for the, the skills challenge. If I were to pick someone to win, you know, th- if I were to really pick someone, this seems like a Din- Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie or Alexander are going to win this. I, I like the faster, the fastest guys on the court to do this. I'm sure I'll be shocked, and a post guy will end up winning it. Siakam, this seems like a Siakam event too, but um, those will be that. I think that's the that's the least exciting thing that they have for All Star Weekend. In that, but the Rising Stars Challenge is going to be that's going to be a fun one. I like how they do it too. United States versus the world, and it's. We'll start with the United States, and they got a loaded roster. Like the, I, a lot of these guys are going to be future, future all stars. So we got the tank Zion Williamson, obviously, like already in his debut. I just watched that Portland Trailblazers game against the Pelicans the other night. He had a season high, and his his just second jump in athleticism and just his strength at his age is is unbelievable. And I really hope he can stay healthy because he is. He is could impose his will on this league for for years to come. He's an absolute force. Love it. He's so fun to watch. And if he can stay healthy, he's everything he was advertised to be. So Trey Young doing a little d- triple dip in here. He's in the Rising Stars talent. Then we got I would I would say even though Zion has been incredible, like still the, since he didn't play most of this year, the the rookie of the year, John Morant. He'll be there. And then the, the rest of the roster is as follows. Jarrett Jackson, Kendrick Nunn, Eric Paschal, Devontae Graham, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Colin Sexton. And Colin Sexton is replacing Tyler Hero. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys have already put in big impacts on their team. Kendrick Nunn, undrafted. Undrafted and is starting for the Heat. What an incredible story that is. And then you got to like the two core pieces that the Grizzlies are throwing in at this game with Morant and Jackson. Grizzlies got to like where they at. They're sitting at that eight, so you got to like where the team is going. But uh, the other guys are not on good teams. You know, hopefully the Hornets, you know, of Graham, Bridges, Washington, someone can become something to make that team relevant. They weren't even relevant with Kemba Walker. So g- good luck. Good luck. And Sexton, eh, don't really believe in him, but, you know, I digress. We move on to the world roster. Doncic, obviously the top guy with the world. He's an absolute beast for the Mavericks. Love watching him play. And then we've got DeAndre Ayton, RJ Barrett, Shea Gillis Alexander. Uh, oh, and then we got Alexander Walker for uh, the Pelicans. Don't know who that is. Brandon Clark. Oh, the Wizards guy. 
that went to Gonzaga. Don't know how to say his name, but oh well. Marantz, Wagner, gosh, those are a mouthful. You know, so good luck with those. Josh Okajoey, (laughs) Shiv McClinic of the Pistons, you know. Still a lot of talented guys, though. You know, just a lot of talent. Like, I, I, Doncic's obviously a beat. I think Barrett will be good for the Knicks. Knicks are still a dumpster fire, but Garrett's going to put up big numbers. Barrett, excuse me, is going to put up big numbers. DeAndre Ayton, you know, hopefully he can show that he can be worth something. I know he started the year suspended, but I think he can figure it out. Hopefully they can because they're wasting away Devin Booker's talents down there in Phoenix. And then Shea Gillis Alexander has been the nice part of the nice story that is the Thunder. Uh, you know he's he shocked me. I didn't think he was. I didn't know he was like this. Been very nice. And then you know one of the most. I think it's interesting. You know the celebrity All Star game is always you know kind of funny. You know sometimes I've tuned in a couple times. I haven't watched all of them, but uh, you know. Stephen A. Smith is coaching one of the teams. I'll just run through real quick. Chance the Rappers on his team. Anthony Adams, Taylor Bennett, Leroy's Hawkins, Lil Ray Howry, Mark Lazzie, Darius Miles, Caitlin O'Shea, Cuevo, Ronnie 2K, Asia Wilson. You know, I'm already going to tell you, uh, my pick for uh, Celebrity All-Star Game MVP is going to be Cuevo. You know, Famous Los won it last year, and he's on Michael Wilbon's team. Com is there. You know, I, you know, I got to say, I don't really know a lot of these people, but I know some of them. And, you know, it's It can be funny. I liked when Kevin Hart was there. Unfortunately, he's not there. But, yeah, I'm going to go with, um, yeah, Cuevo winning that, you know, Celebrity Game All-Star MVP. And if I'm going to pick a an All-Star Game MVP, I'm going to have to go with... You know, because I, f- I feel like, I feel like James Harden's gonna gun, and I feel like this is his kind of thing where he can actually make it because it'll be he won't be contested. I feel like James Harden's gonna win, and I feel like he's got something to prove too, especially with Giannis calling him out, Chuck calling him out that he's the dribbler, and Giannis said he wanted someone that can pass. I th- I feel like you know Harden might show something. Probably not gonna win. If anything, Giannis's team is gonna win, you know somehow, but. It's probably how that's going to go down, but looking forward to the All-Star Weekend. Nice slate of games tonight, second to last night where we get to enjoy the NBA before All-Star Weekend, so drink it in tonight. Their games are just getting underway here. Um, you know, it's 7.23. Last thing of the big topics that I want to talk about today, I'm going to make this quick, though, about Antonio Brown. He actually apologized today, and, you know, I'll give him props for that. He apologized for what he'd done. He did, He said he did, in an Instagram post that he didn't realize how good he had it with uh, Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback. And, um, you know, at least maybe now he's coming to the realization that what he did was wrong. And I'm sure, you know, going to court will make you think that. That's what I think. People can get checked. And, you know, hopefully he can turn it around. You know, just turn his life around. Like, don't even, at this point, don't even worry about trying to get back in the league. Apologize to those you've done wrong to. Accept your mistakes. And just, you know, try and be a better person. Because, gosh, it's just been a, like, it's just been one thing after another about this, about Antonio Brown. And it's, you know, it's, you just, at this point, it's just, you shake your head at it. And, Hopefully he can turn a new leaf. Um, At this point, I'm not sold yet. Hopefully he can turn it around just for himself. You know, I've never really been that big a fan of his, but I remember a few years ago, 
you know, he's still one of the top wide receivers in the league, but gosh, I just don't know if he, if he'll ever get back to the league. Cause frankly, he is, you know, just stirs the pot way too much. So I just hope for his sake that he can turn it around because, you know, he's a good football player, but hopefully he can just become a better person because some of the things he posts on social media, just what he's what he's been doing and saying, it's just relax, just step back, man. Just be calm. Just take it easy. Like, you don't need to be doing all this. You don't need to be putting yourself out there like this. Like, be smart. Just think. Just think. You know, my favorite thing in Seinfeld is something that in the TV show that people never see is there's a magnet on the fridge that says, think, think about it, think again, what do you think? And just that's how you need to apply things to your life, because if you don't think things through, you're going to end up in a bad situation like Antonio Brown, where you're not getting to do the profession that you've sought out to do because of the decisions you made. So hopefully he takes a good look in the mirror and you know, realizes the mistake he's made and, you know, corrects them. So just for his own sake, yeah, I don't not, I don't even say it for him just to get back in the league. It's for his own sake, for just like the betterment of himself. So those are the five big topics I wanted to talk about today. Now, this will be the last segment of our, of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast, episode one. And uh, usually um, how I want to take this, uh, I usually will we'll take this opportunity to talk about an unpopular opinion that I have, um, when it comes to sports. Um, that's what I'm going to do moving on, uh, with this podcast. But for, for episode one, just wanted to take this time instead of doing an unpopular opinion on something, I, I wanted to speak on behalf of Kobe Bryant and I, not on behalf of him, but about him because it's very tragic. You know, we know the story a couple of weeks ago, him, along with nine others on a helicopter crashed in California. And he, uh, you know, his daughter was on it, um, a famous baseball coach, and they were going to a travel basketball tournament. We all know the story. It's absolutely terrible. And, it, uh, it, you know, it really did bring tears to my eyes. You know, I never met the guy and only could watch him from afar. But, you know, Kobe, he had a big impact on my life, you know, just the way that, you know, he strived to be the greatest. It's just such an, if it doesn't motivate you of some of the quotes that Kobe has, just his story overall, the things that he's done, you know, what he was doing, it's just very inspirational and makes you want to be great. makes you want to be better when you just listen to some of the things he say. And uh, my favorite quote by him was, uh, I don't have something along the lines of, I don't have respect for people who make excuses. And don't don't make excuses for yourself, you know, be just put in the work, do the work. It was just when you listen to Kobe talk it just it just gives you chills and it was just like he had a big impact on the way, you know, I think about life and basketball and truly brought tears to my eyes hearing that he passed away a few a few weeks ago. It was just it was soul crushing and it still is crushing to think about. It's, it's absolutely terrible what happened to him and his daughter and the rest of the people on that helicopter. It's just, it really brought tears to my eyes. He was one of my favorite NBA players of all time. You know, I grew up watching Kobe, grew up in that generation. I'm 26 years old and that was right, right at the time. That was Kobe. It was 
Kobe and Shaq growing up, and then he won the finals in 2009, 2010, went back-to-back is, you know, I watched Kobe, grew up watching Kobe, watched his whole career, you know, right in front of my eyes, got to enjoy it, got to, all the, the big moments and the, you know, the failures and the successes, it was just, you know, I got to watch his career, and you know, like I said, I never met him. I never even got to see him live at an NBA game, but he truly did have a big impact on my life, even though I never spoke a word to the guy. It's, you know, it's upsetting. It's sad to talk about. And uh, I just feel so terrible for his family. My prayers and well wishes go out to his family because, you know, he's he left a wife. He left more daughters, he had three other kids. And, you know, that's... That's why it's so sad. You know, a family's waking up without their father and sister. It's just, it's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And, you know, that's not even speaking on the incredible basketball player that he was. He was, you know, a father. He was a dad. It was, he's a husband. You know, it's just terrible. And, uh, yeah, I, Kobe's one of my favorite to ever do it. The man absolutely bald is an absolute legend. And his legacy will live on forever. And another disappointing part about it, he was going to be elected into the Hall of Fame this year. It was going to be one of the most iconic speeches ever because, you know, he was going to talk about Shaq and just all the memories and just uh, there. It was going to be something had to be related to Jordan, too. You know, it had to come up just. Everyone was going to be there, all the big superstars, because it's a phenomenal draft class with Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, too. And it just, it was, and he just, and it's over. And it's just, it's very sad. And it, it's very humbling and, you know, makes you really have to appreciate life because it can end at any moment. And I remember the day before LeBron broke that scoring record. And I was just singing both of their praises on how LeBron's one of my favorite to ever do it. Kobe's one of my favorite to ever do it. And, you know, couldn't come for a better guy than LeBron to pass Kobe and for Kobe to be so accepting of it and so supportive of it and so happy for LeBron. And, you know, just just two best friends, two great guys. And just for it to end, you know, all so abruptly, it just really opens your eyes to things and makes you think so. Kobe, you will be missed. Black Mamba, one of the greatest to ever do it. You will not be forgotten, I can tell you that. He's had an impact on a lot of people's lives. And, you know, happy I got to watch him and, you know, happy for his redemption and happy for, you know, him being the Mamba that he was, being Kobe Bryant. He was himself. And, you know, you got to respect that. So RIP to Kobe. Well, that's it, folks. Episode one. Uh, I'm going to try and just keep coming out with these as much as possible. So uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy. Have a good one. Until next time, I'm out. Peace. Deuces.